I am going to give you a presentation about the site visit we made to see our missionaries in Scotland. I did. I actually thought about wearing a kilt to do this, and uh, I knew my wife would not go for that, so I didn't even I didn't even uh, broach the subject with her. Uh, one month ago, Kimberly and I did visit our missionaries in Scotland, uh, and the elders asked me to to make a presentation to you to tell you what we saw, uh, what we experienced, uh, tell you how the missionaries are doing. And just as a quick reminder, uh, Northside is the stewarding church. That's the word we like to use for that. We, we help to steward uh, the work of several missionaries. One of them is Jonathan Hannigan down in Argentina. And then these missionaries in Scotland, which include, you, you see uh, Pamela McAdams, who is now Pamela Maxwell on the left of your screen there, and Robin and Chrissy Vick on the right side of the screen. Uh, we also now just uh, recently took on that role for Alex and Aaron Flood, who are planning to move up to Minnesota uh, pretty soon and uh, start uh, a, a new work there. And they actually are in the audience tonight. They, they heard that I was speaking, so... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, they, they just uh, visited with the missions committee uh, uh, just a matter of minutes ago, and uh, so uh, we, we were encouraged to, to be able to visit with them and We'll share more about the work that's coming up uh, with them later. But tonight we're going to focus on Scotland. While we were in Scotland, the Vicks and the Maxwells did a wonderful job of hosting us, of planning our uh, every day so that we had plenty to do, plenty to see. Um, and uh, so we, we appreciated their, uh, their hospitality and putting us up and, and letting us, uh, you know, bunk in their, their places. Uh, you know, staying with the missionaries when you make a site visit is really important because it, it gives you more time with them and it gives you a chance to, to sort of be around them when their hair is down. Um, it provides a lot of opportunities for downtime conversations. Uh, Kimberly had several chances to talk one-on-one with, with Chrissy and then she had some time with Pamela to, to just see how they're doing. And I had the same opportunity with Robin uh, several different times, and with Tommy. Uh, Tommy is Pamela's husband. Uh, so anyway, both couples were very gracious to us. Both couples did a great job of filling our days with with lots to see and do. Uh, on our first Sunday there, we worshiped with the Falkirk Church of Christ uh, in the morning, and we, we had a chance to hear Robin preach. That night, we worshiped again with the new congregation. Uh, the next Sunday, we met with the Sterling Church, which it's only a 15-minute drive from Falkirk, um, and they start with Bible classes for young and old, and we got to sit in on a class taught by Mitch Vick, uh, Robin's dad. And then after that, they have worship. Um, and uh, so we got to hear Tommy preach that morning, and that was, that was a blessing to get, to get to hear him speak. Then on Wednesday night, uh, we met in Jeremy and Jenny Aaron's flat, for a Bible study uh, with members of the Falkirk Church. And then the next night on Thursday night, uh, we met uh, at the Maxwell's flat, and Tommy led a Bible study uh, for members of the Sterling Church. Um, Kimberly and I also had a couple of opportunities each to sit in on coffee shop Bible studies. And we're going to talk more about those later, so I'll leave some of that discussion for later. But that was a real neat experience. We also had the opportunity to participate in a couple of uh, game nights, uh, fellowship times. Uh, the first one was with the Falkirk uh, Brethren, uh, and they met at the home of Daryl and Shayla Chapel. Uh, here you see us eating Indian food. It was a really wonderful experience. I'm not sure how that goes with 
being in Scotland, but somehow it 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 uh, managed to make sense to everybody. And then we went from there directly over to the Maxwells, and they were having a game night with four AIM workers, Adventures and Missions workers, uh, three young ladies and a young man, and three young men who are Scottish. And I think they liked the young ladies there. I'm not sure what the deal was. But anyway, they were playing Apples to Apples or some neat game that I think some of you may be familiar with. Did, did I say that right? Is that the name of that game? Okay, anyway, it seemed really cool. They didn't let us play, but we got to watch. I don't know. I think they thought it was too hard for us or something. Um, one thing that we really wanted to do on this trip was to spend some one-on-one time with the other missionaries uh, that are there as a part of the, the Scotland team, uh, the ones that we don't necessarily support financially, but we're very interested in what they do and, and how they're doing. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we had a chance to do this by basically taking them out to eat. Uh, we wanted to sort of honor them for the work that they're doing and, and treat them to uh, a meal. So we did this with Daryl and Shayla Chapel, took them to lunch one day. Uh, here's a picture of uh, their children, Murphy, Harrison, and Mallory. They sort of look like Harry Potter there. I don't know. They, did you know that Harry Potter was written um, in Scotland? And we actually got to see the place that J.K. Rowling wrote some of the first books. But I, I digress. Um, anyway, they're really cool kids, um, really, really neat kids. We also took Jeremy and Jenny Aaron to breakfast another day. Both of these families, I just have to say, are very talented, dedicated uh, important members of the Central Scotland team. Um, and just real quickly, here is Lucas. He is uh, the Aaron's son. And here's their daughter, Audrey. She is a real cute little kid. She, she is just a couple of weeks older than Millie Grace. So they are just best friends. And it was hard for us to tear ourselves away from those two little cuties. I also wanted to, a chance to talk to the elders of the Sterling Church to find out how they feel the Maxwells are doing in their work with, with the church. And so I took Mitch Vick and Dick Carter to breakfast one morning. Um, are, you, are you getting a theme here is sort of developing? When you, when you go to visit missionaries, there's a lot of eating involved. I came back weighing several pounds more than, I, than when I left. Uh, it, a lot of it had to do with no working out at the gym, every, you know, just uh, eating and, and visiting. Either we were taking them out to eat or they were making some amazing desserts for us. This dessert here is called uh, the Queen of Puddings, I believe. Isn't that right? Queen of something. Queen of Puddings. Uh, okay, it was to die for. I'll tell you more about that later. But anyway, lots of good food. Um, don't want to make you jealous, but I just had to throw that in. Okay, so after spending 10 days visiting with our missionaries in Scotland, we came away with the feeling that they are doing excellent work in, a, in an environment that is becoming more and more secular, more and more difficult uh, to evangelize. And so you'll hear about progress that they're making, but you have to understand that in Europe, in Scotland, it is, you know, it's not like going to India or Africa where you may have a lot of baptisms. The progress they make can be measured in months rather than in days. Uh, so I wanted to make that clear. We do feel like they're doing a very good work. The Central Scotland team has been in the field for more than three years now. And over the past few months, there have been a few changes to the team. So I wanted to talk about that really quick. The, the picture you're looking at right now is the original team photograph. And so left to right, you see Robin and Chrissy Vick, then Pamela McAdams at the time, 
is in the background there with a uh, red top on. Then there's Jeremy and Jenny Aaron uh, and their son Lucas, who was two at the time this picture was taken. Then Jenny Johnson is next. And then the the Chapel family with uh, Daryl and Shayla and their children. Um, Pamela, let's talk about her next and and really just uh, both of the Maxwells. But Pamela McAdams was her name when she started this uh, this adventure. Um, the first big change is, as you know, uh, Pamela married Tommy Maxwell in May. So they've been married just four months now. Tommy began working with the church in Sterling in January uh, of this year. Uh, and this, of course, is the church that Tristan and Leslie Block worked with for three years. Pamela had committed to work with the Scotland team for three years, and her commitment to that, uh, that work was up in August of, of this year. So when that commitment was done, she decided she would prefer to work with her husband, which isn't necessarily a bad decision, um, and, and work with the Sterling Church. She is still doing the same mission work as she was when she was with the team. Um, we still support her. We still think she's doing a great job, but she's not working directly with the team as much as she was before. But I, I do want to point out that even though she's not officially working with the team, she is still, she and Tommy both, the work they do overlaps a great deal with the work that the, that the Central Scotland team is doing. Uh, they still do coffee shop Bible studies together. Um, they still will do youth club events together, outreach events. The two churches, when they have outreaches, they both help each other out with those. Um, so uh, there's still a whole lot of overlap with what they're doing. The other uh, big change that happened this year was that Jenny Johnson's three-year commitment to the team uh, ended, and she decided to move back to uh, Texas to begin her teaching career that she had trained for. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and one final change is that Lacey Chapel graduated from high school uh, and decided she wanted to, to take part in the Adventures and Missions training program. So she is now in Lubbock, Texas, training uh, with actually someone that, that we're – well, actually, we are supporting Lacey uh, in a small way. And there's a young lady named Bree Liebold uh, that uh, you may have heard about when uh, Corey Long did a presentation. Um, we are also supporting her uh, at the AIM program uh, right now. So that's the changes that have been going on uh, with the team this year. So let me just recap for you who currently is on the team. We've got Robin and Chrissy Vick and their little daughter Millie, and then Jeremy and Jenny Aaron with Lucas and Audrey, and then Daryl and Shayla Chapel with Murphy, Harrison, and Mallory, and Lacey is, is no longer with them right now. <clears throat> Let's talk for a minute about the Vicks and the, and the Central Scotland team and, uh, and the church in Falkirk. The Falkirk Church of Christ meets at the Ettrick Dockert Community Hall every Sunday morning and every Sunday evening. Uh, this is a picture of their very first Sunday morning worship just seven months ago in March. Um, in the morning service, they start with singing and communion, and then they take a 30-minute tea and fellowship break. And they have tea and biscuits and, and things like that. I think that's a cool thing. We, we have to think about doing that. Um, and then after that, the kids go off to their own class, and they have a sermon for the big people. The average uh, attendance at these worship services on Sunday morning is about 25 right now. Then in the evening, they meet again. They start with children's songs. 
So the children all sit in the middle, and, and uh, the, the song leader sits in the middle with them. And all the big, and they circleize the chairs, and all the big people sing the songs with them. Here, see if you can guess what song that is. Well, no. It, they're singing about the wise men, you know, and the floods coming up. Rain, well, no, the rains came down, and the floods coming up. Anyway, uh, it was it a was great time singing with the kids. And then the children are dismissed to go to, to uh, their own class, and then the adults have a class. So... Um, that's that's the way they normally do things there, and uh, I will say that on, in the evenings, Sunday evenings, there are several people from Sterling and other congregations in the area that don't have their own their own church doesn't meet on Sunday evenings, so they like to come to Falkirk and help out the Falkirk Church and just get a little more worship time in and, and a little more fellowship with these folks. So here you see some people that are part of uh, the Sterling congregation that also come over to Falkirk. So the average attendance on Sunday night for the Falkirk Church is about 35. And I want to wrap up this part of talking about the Falkirk Church and uh, by, by mentioning a couple of people that I think are key members of the Falkirk Church that, that you're going to hear more about. The first one is, is Neil Scobie. And he's pictured here with his son Joe and with Robin. Uh, that's at that wonderful dessert supper that we had at their house. Uh, Neil is a longtime Christian. He's a member of another congregation that pretty much consists mostly of his whole family. Uh, at uh, I think it's Denny Lowhead is the name. They got some strange names of towns, and I'm sure Tristan could correct me if I'm messing messing this up. Anyway, um, they, they meet on Sunday mornings in, in, at their own congregation, and then they come down to Falkirk, and he's a real strong member of this church, too. He's a very, very good teacher. Uh, here's a picture of him at a recent uh, sort of youth rally called the Aberdeen Youth Retreat, where he was speaking to the youth. So he's a real strong member of that church. And uh, uh, there's also Lee and Donna Halliday. Uh, they are both longtime dedicated Christians. Uh, they live currently in Livingston, which is about a 30-minute drive from Falkirk. And he is actively working to get his job to transfer him to Falkirk. He, he manages a, a store, and there, that, that store actually is at Falkirk too. So he's hoping that um, his boss will move him to Falkirk so that they can be closer to the work of the church and help out more with the, the outreach events and things like that. Let's move to the Maxwells and, and the Sterling Church. The Sterling Church of Christ has met in this community hall here uh, ever since the congregation was planted a couple of decades ago. So I'm sure this is bringing back fond memories to Tristan and Leslie. Um, the Central Skyland team worked with them for two years while they were uh, sort of getting their feet wet and, and figuring out um, how to do things there and until they were ready to start meeting on their own in Falkirk. Here you see a picture of sort of their send-off Sunday when the elders and the church there at Sterling blessed them and sort of sent them out to, to, to go to Falkirk. Sterling starts, as I said already, on Sunday morning with adult and children's classes, and then they have worship. And then after worship, um, they, they just visit and, and, uh, and just have some fellowship time. Their average attendance on Sunday morning there is 25, and they don't have a Sunday evening service. And as I mentioned already, they have a Thursday night Bible study that they have in different homes. Um, as I also mentioned, they have elders, which is a really rare thing for churches in Scotland uh, that are typically pretty small. Uh, Mitch and Isabel Vick uh, are pictured here, and of course they are Robin's parents. 
And so Mitch is one of the one of the elders there and, and came there to Scotland about 30 years ago to be a missionary. So he is still supported, I believe, by the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas. And then there's Dick Carter as the other elder, and uh, he's pictured here with his wife, Anne. And let me tell you about an, one of the members of the Sterling Church. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of this guy. His name is Ian Scott. Ian was baptized by Robin a couple of years ago. They were classmates when they were growing up together in Sterling. And uh, Ian is a really neat guy. He is so on fire about, uh, about the Lord. Uh, he had a really rough past and uh, it's just so neat uh, to, to hear him talk. He, he enters long uh, posts on Facebook of, about things that he's doing. Um, and he wants to go to the, the British Bible School, which is sort of an equivalent of Sunset International Bible Institute. Uh, but Ian struggles with something that you may already be familiar with. He shattered his ankle several years ago in an accident. And uh, he has never recovered from that. He has terrible infections in his leg. Um, doctors have not been able to help him uh, recover from this, and they keep it on working with him. And uh, he is trying as hard as he can to avoid having his foot amputated, but to everybody I talk to, it seems like they all think he just needs to do that and get past this because it is causing him so much pain. He's... He is not able to work. He's not able to get out of the house much of the time. So he's really, really struggling with this. But I really foresee him being a strong member of the Sterling Church um, and you know, maybe a part of the Falkirk Church at some point. He does live in Sterling, but uh, he, he is a really uh, neat guy and, and appreciate your prayers for, for Ian. Let's talk a little bit more about the Maxwells. Pamela uh, started her career in mission work at the ripe old age of about 18, I believe. Right out of high school, she went to the AIM program, and then after her training, she spent three years in France uh, as a, as a uh, worker there uh, in Paris, I believe. Um, so this is a picture of her with some people at a restaurant in France. Then she came back to the States and studied for a couple of years uh, at Sunset, uh, did the two-year program there, and then studied missions for a couple of years, or sorry, six months, uh, and you may recognize this fellow Sunset grad that she went through school with, uh, Taylor Robles. Um, and then Pamela worked for three years with the Scotland team, uh, pictured here with Chrissy. Um, here she is with a, a friend-speak reader uh, from China, and then here's another picture of her passing out leaflets door-to-door with Jenny Johnson. <clears throat> and then let's, let's talk about Tommy for a minute. Tommy Maxwell went through the same two-year program at Sunset. Um, I believe he was a, a classmate of Alex. So, Alex, you can tell us stories about Tommy if you want later on. Um, but a mutual friend at Sunset introduced Tommy and Pamela. And so they started sort of a weird dating relationship via Skype, which can't be the easiest thing to do. Uh, they did get to see each other a few times during that relationship. And then he moved over to Scotland in January. And so they were able to get to know each other a lot better uh, uh, face-to-face like that. But they did get married in May. And now Tommy is hes committed to working with the Sterling Church during this year, 2013. So his commitment uh, is officially up at the end of this year, but we'll talk more about uh, what they're going to be doing later. So they were married in uh, May, and then and, and that was a really cool deal. The, the, the 
team in the Falkirk Church and Sterling Church threw them a big reception when they got back. Uh, they didn't actually get married in, in Scotland. They went back to Louisiana and got married, uh, where Tommy is from. But then they came. So I think these guys have some kilts on and look very Scottish there. But just one month after they were married, their flat was broken into and their computers were all stolen. Their backup hard drives were stolen. Her jewelry was stolen. And it was a pretty devastating thing for them. They, they felt unsafe to even stay there again. Their, their door wouldn't shut and lock. So they, they moved to a new flat. They're in a much safer part of town now. And uh, they feel a lot better about things. But they were going through, especially Tommy, was going through some pretty serious culture shock just you know a few months after moving there and then uh, being burglarized. They have bought replacement computers and things like that. Uh, uh, people were generous in helping them to recover from that. But it was a pretty devastating thing. You know, Pamela is an amazing young woman. Uh, she has a heart for mission work. She has been in Europe as a missionary uh, for so long that I really think she sees herself more as a European than she does as an American. And I'm sure that she would gladly stay in Europe doing mission work for the rest of her life. Right now, Tommy is very, very happy to be with his new bride and, and trying out this mission work thing. And, you know, I think he's trying to decide if long-term mission work is, is going to be right for him or not. Um, but there's a very real possibility that at some point they're going to want to move back to the States and uh, maybe he could preach for a small church or something in, in, uh, you know, in the Midwest somewhere. Um, so right now, Tommy is trying to figure out what he wants to do. Um, and, as I said, his support uh, is only up through the end of this year. So they are going through the process now of trying to talk to their supporters, and they're telling them, and you may have read this in their recent newsletter, that they would like to stay through June of 2014 or June of 2015. June is the end of the school year, so that's kind of why that timing is, is like that. So... The, if they stay, it's going to be dependent on whether they can get people to support uh, them as a couple doing that. So they've got a big challenge to raise that support uh, if they're going to continue working there. And there's also the issue now of which church will be the main stewarding church for their work as a couple. We provide that role for Pamela right now. Tommy's home church provides that role uh, for him. But they're married now, and it really doesn't make sense to have two different churches providing that, that role. So we're going to be talking uh, with them actually on Saturday. The missions committee is going to be meeting with them. And then I, I'm going to be talking to uh, the Jackson Street Church in West Monroe, Louisiana, I believe is where that is, uh, to, to just try to, to figure this out, who, should, who makes sense to be uh, their stewarding church. So pray for us as we work through all those issues. Um, but that's... Uh, Either way, we're going to be supporting them uh, going forward until they're uh, through with their work there. I want to talk now about some outreach tools that, that the missionaries are using in Scotland. We mentioned the coffee shop Bible studies. I, currently, there are four different coffee shop Bible studies going on. There's one in Glasgow and one in Edinburgh. Both of those are the two largest cities in Scotland. And there's also a study in Falkirk and one in Stirling. Kimberly and I both think that coffee shop Bible studies are probably the, the most important evangelistic tool that the missionaries are using right now in Scotland. Um, at the studies that we went to, we participated in these studies with people who were Catholics, Baptist, Church of Scotland, um, 
there may have been some atheists there, I'm not sure, some, some skeptics, you know, all types. There were people who knew the Bible really, really well, and some people that you had to help look up verses because they didn't know the Bible that well. It was so amazing to be able to sit down and, and just participate in these studies and watch God work through our missionaries and through these other people as they just open up the Word of God and let it speak to them. In fact, in the Glasgow Bible study that we went to, there were so many people that showed up for it that there, there were too many to sit around the little table that they had in this coffee shop. So we decided sort of on the spur of the moment to split into two groups. And so we had two little Bible studies going, studying the same thing. It was a real blessing to be a part of that. And, you know, as we walked away from that study in Glasgow, this is the scene we saw. And I just stopped and took a picture. It was just just kind of awe-inspiring. Thousands and thousands of people just walking up this pedestrian walkway, needing God. And it's such a secular society. These people are lost without God. They're searching for something, but they're searching for it in the wrong place. And I really think the mission work that our, our missionaries are doing there uh, are is going to make a, a, a huge difference for them. In Falkirk, we sat in on a study, too. Uh, it was a little bit smaller than the one in Glasgow, but there was a fellow there who's been going to the study since uh, winter. Uh, he's a Baptist and uh, meets at a Baptist church. I can't remember where it is, but not in Falkirk. But he drives about 30 minutes into Falkirk just for this study every week. And as we were leaving, uh, he mentioned to Robin that his church actually meets on Sunday night, so he doesn't have the opportunity to meet somewhere on Sunday morning. He's looking for some place to meet. And Robin said, well, hey, dude, why don't you come and meet with us? I think that'd be cool. So we may look to see this guy at the, at the Falkirk Church someday. Another uh, outreach tool that the missionaries use is Youth Club. Currently, Youth Club is on hold, and I'll tell you a little bit more about why later. Also, Friendspeak. Friendspeak is a way of studying English with people who don't speak English as their primary language using the Bible as a text. And uh, that has been a very successful tool in the past. I remember uh, Tristan Leslie baptized a Chinese couple while they were there. Um, and uh, so it's a very effective tool, um, and that will be starting again soon. Uh, so... Another tool that the missionaries are all purposely using is individual mentoring. They're looking out for people who they feel like have a lot of potential, and they're spending a lot of one-on-one time with them. Here's a picture of Robin meeting one-on-one with Neil Scobie. And Robin also, when, when Ian Scott is healthy enough to do it, he spends a lot of time with him as well. There are a couple of Christian summer camps that the teenagers and, and younger children go to uh, children from all over Scotland come to these two camps, Camp Heatherbell and Camp Tayside. And our missionaries kind of split up the responsibilities, and they go to these camps and serve as counselors and, and as teachers. The last two summers, the, the Pied Pipers from Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas, have come to Falkirk in Scotland and performed for children in schools. And, oh, my goodness, they have made a huge impact. They're sort of an improvisational uh, drama group. And uh, I guess the first time they were there, they were such a huge hit that this time they performed maybe six or seven different times in schools and a ton of different te- uh, parents and, 
and students were in the audiences each time uh, watching their performances and, and really uh, enjoying them. So this was a great way for the missionaries to connect with the community and to build closer relationships with them. You know, there are a number of victories that we can celebrate uh, with the work that we are doing with our missionaries in Scotland. The first one that maybe it's obvious and maybe you're not thinking about it is that there is a church in Falkirk now where a couple of years ago there was no church, uh, no church of Christ at all in, in Falkirk. So that is a, a wonderful blessing. There have been a couple of baptisms, Ian Scott and Stephen Douglas have been baptized uh, as a result of the work. And there are several promising people that they are studying with that, that we look to see perhaps becoming Christians in the near future. This woman named Elizabeth is a Nigerian with four children, and she faithfully attends the meetings of the Falkirk Church and the, and the Bible studies, and, and her children are an active part of the children's Bible classes. Also, uh, Sam Scobie is a wonderful woman, excellent cook and cake decorator. She's just a really neat lady, but she's not a Christian yet. Her husband, Neil, is an amazing guy. Uh, But Sam, for some reason, has been kind of hesitant to totally commit herself to Christ. So Chrissy has been studying with her, and uh, we're looking for good things to come from those studies. And then, as I mentioned, the coffee shop Bible studies. There are a number of good prospects in, in the people that come to those studies. While we were there in Scotland, there the preacher at one of the area churches uh, and four AIM workers were kicked out of working in one of the local schools. And I want to tell you a little bit about that right now. The reason they were kicked out of the, this school was because they distributed some booklets stating that God exists and that evolution is not right. Uh, a number of different AIM workers actually had been there over the course of the past eight years Uh, helping in the schools and sometimes having the opportunity to study with children or just tell them about God and and the Bible. These workers over the years have been very well respected by the teachers in that school. Uh, They had a good reputation. But these booklets that they passed out upset a handful of parents who told a reporter from a, a Scottish tabloid called the Daily Record. And you're looking at a, the front page of that paper uh, that came out the Friday that we arrived. The reporter then wrote quite a few long articles in, in this newspaper over a series of days, um, full of inaccuracies claiming that the school had been infiltrated by an extremist sect from the U.S. Deep South. I'm not sure where he got all this stuff, uh, but, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And he kept talking about how the Church of Christ is a, this extreme sect and this cult. And uh, it was really, really giving the church a bad name. This is a picture of the front page of the paper um, on the first day that these stories started running. And, by the way, the two head teachers, I think a head teacher may be similar to a principal, the two head teachers were essentially fired over this issue. Uh, they were relocated to other schools, but basically they, they lost their jobs. Let me explain this picture. This is a scary-looking picture, isn't it? This is Jared Blakeman. He's an AIM worker, 19-year-old guy uh, from Texas. He's very kind and loving young man. We actually met him and had a chance to talk with him about all of this. <clears throat> the reporter 
that uh, wrote all these stories learned that Jared was one of the aim workers in this school. And he did a little bit of digging in his Facebook and uh, just found this picture and, and put it on the front page of the paper. Um, let me tell you about this picture. The, the AIM students and this preacher from this church, uh, I keep calling them students, AIM workers, they um, put on a community event uh, for the students at this school that they worked at. And one of the things that they did at this event was a face painting kind of thing. So he had one of the other workers paint his face to look like Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean with all, you know, all these eyes. I don't know if you can see it that well. But, uh, you know, very scary looking. He even closed his eyes so that they painted on the backs of his eyelids. Well, this reporter found this picture, and he posted it on the front page of the paper. And uh, I'll read you the, the headline there. It says, Parents' Fury is U.S. Sect Land Jobs in Scott's Primary School. And then I've got the paper in my office if you ever want to come read it. Uh, it's just terrible. And, you know, he, every time he uses the words missionaries, he puts it in quotes like these people are missionaries in our school and they're trying to save us and he just thought it was ridiculous that uh, the church of christ was in there trying to save these people um it was really really terrible the the kind of things they were putting in the paper um here's uh the inside of that first paper there were many many inaccuracies in there so as a result of the persecution the aim workers had to come back home early they there was nothing left for them to do in the school uh, and the Scottish churches all over Scotland are really concerned about the effect that this is going to have on their outreach, especially in the outreach that they do with things like youth clubs. So the Stirling Church was about to restart their youth club. They've put that on hold for now because they're a little concerned about, you know, they, they maybe want to let things die down a little bit before they jump back into it. And Falkirk was going to start up a new youth club, and they've also put that on hold until things die down a little bit. So the Scottish Christians are understandably a little bit concerned about what effect is this going to have. Uh, I know while we were there, I mean, that's all we were talking about. And we would go to these coffee shop Bible studies, and the missionaries fully expected some of these people that attended the studies to come with these papers and say, what's this? What's this all about? And nobody did. Uh, but they're still very concerned about what effect this is going to have. And, you know, as we were talking about it, I mentioned to them, you know, Romans 8.28 says... Good things are going to come from even bad stuff. God has promised this. All things work together for good for those that love God. Um, and, you know, it's also important to remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. That Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Because in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The, these people are in good company. Uh, when they're going through this kind of persecution. But we need to pray for them. Uh, they're really going through a tough time. In fact, let's talk about who else we need to pray for. Uh, in Northside's monthly missions newsletter that I write, uh, there's always a list of prayer requests on page 2. I hope you really read those prayer requests and write down things that you can pray for because your prayers are needed. Um, here are some more things that you can add to your prayer request list. Of course, Ian Scott and his uh, terrible pain that he's having in his leg and his decision of whether to amputate or, or to keep fighting this. Uh, we need to pray for Stephen Douglas and his wife Amanda, uh, new Christians. They're, they're going through some difficult struggles in their life. 
Sam Scobie, wonderful woman, but she's you know hesitant to 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 make Jesus the Lord of her life right now. Uh, we need to pray for Elizabeth and her children. They are in Scotland freeing religious persecution in Nigeria. And uh, because they are there, I think they're there illegally, it's been hard for her to find work. So they're, you know, living in poverty. And so they're, they're having a diff- difficult time as well. Pray for the people that come to these coffee shop Bible studies. Pray for the Christians in Scotland that are undergoing this persecution, that good will come from what really appears to be a bad thing. You know, several of you have told me in the past that you really, really care about world missions and that you wish there was something you could do to to help out with world missions. Well, I'm here to tell you what you can do. First of all, you can pray. I mean, that's an obvious thing. Pray about our missionaries. Pray about the things that they're going through. Obviously, support Northside's mission efforts. When it comes time at the end of April for Mission Sunday, turn in those purpose cards and and let us know what you're planning to do and, and, and give financially to help support that. Read the newsletters that our missionaries send out. Uh, They send them out through email. If you don't do email, let me know. We can give you paper copies of them. Um, But read them. In fact, Pamela and Tommy sent out two newsletters just today through email. And and so go home and read those newsletters if you haven't done it. Read Northside's newsletters. Make me feel that I'm not wasting my time as I do this every month. You know, I really appreciate you (laughs) if you would read those. Um, Send cards and letters and care packages and emails to our missionaries. Now, this guy here is not a Scottish missionary. But I just happen to have a picture of a care package that Steve and I brought him in 2009 when we went to see him in Caracas, Venezuela. And, you know, he was just overwhelmed when we opened up all these things that we brought in our suitcases. Um, Steve's suitcase, i got to tell you this, smelled like barbecue sauce because he had brought this wonderful mix of how to... Actually, it was, it was going to be used to make barbecue sauce. Miss Cindy had put all this stuff together, and somehow it leaked in his suitcase. So we, we opened this up. I'm not sure, I don't know if the security people wondered what we were bringing in, but anyway, it was a wonderful aroma. But uh, anyway, I don't know why I keep digressing. Uh, but care packages can be a wonderful thing for our missionaries to, to, to feel like they're loved and remembered. Facebook. I'm, some people don't do Facebook. That's okay. You, you don't have to do Facebook to go to heaven, but you, you, you can get on a little further seat closer to the front if you, if you keep up with your missionaries using Facebook. So this is, this is Chrissy's uh, Facebook account. You probably couldn't tell that. Just There's pictures of Millie everywhere. <laughs> Um, but it's it's a great way. A lot of not all of our missionaries use Facebook to uh, keep up with their supporters and and people back home, but a lot of them do. So if you get into Facebook and become friends with these missionaries, you will see every day uh, posts and pictures that they're uh, they're putting out there that tell you about what they're doing. So keep up with with them in that way. And I got to end with prayer again. Prayer is a very very important thing. Uh, when we're talking about our missionaries. Over the last few years when I've attended missions conferences, I've heard several missionaries say that a basic part of their strategy is to look for people of peace. I've also heard our Scotland team missionaries say the same thing, that they are looking for people of peace. What in the world are they talking about? Looking for people of peace. Well, let me tell you what they're talking about. That that term comes from Luke chapter 10. Let's read this passage where Jesus is sending out 
72 disciples to go and, and spread the good news. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. When Jesus sent these followers out to spread the good news, he told them to look for people of peace. A person of peace is someone who is willing to hear the message of the gospel. Someone who is hungry to find the truth. He's also someone who is anxious to share that good news with his family and friends. An example of someone who is a person of peace would be Cornelius. Remember in Acts chapter 10 when he saw a vision and God told him to send to Joppa for Peter to come and give him a message from God. So he did that. Peter came, and when Peter, remember when Peter got to the house of Cornelius, what did he find? It wasn't just Cornelius there waiting to hear. His whole family was there with him, and a bunch of Cornelius' good friends were there. Cornelius had invited all these people there to hear what he was expecting was going to be a, a good message from God. Cornelius was a person of peace. Jesus wants us to look for people of peace. Our Scotland missionaries are doing that. During our 10 days there, we saw that they are following Jesus' instructions. They are looking for people of peace. Now think about this, though. If you are willing to look for people of peace, that also implies that you are willing to find people of unpeace. You're willing to go through hardship and, and persecution and uh, rejection from people who are not people of peace. The Christians in Scotland are definitely undergoing this kind of suffering and rejection right now. They're being ridiculed. They're being unfairly accused of things in, in the newspapers there. They're being banned from doing work that, you know, allowed them to share the good news of, of God. So, uh, definitely, that is, a, that is a, a risk that you need to be willing to take if you're looking for people of peace. In 2 Timothy 2, 2, Paul so, told Timothy... The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable witnesses, excuse me, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Our Scotland missionaries are doing that. They are entrusting the gospel to reliable people like Neil Scobie and Lee and Donna Halliday so that their evangelizing efforts can be multiplied. You know, in the early church, it was a common practice to meet house to house. It was common for groups of Christians to meet in homes. In 1 Corinthians 16, 19, Paul told the Corinthians brothers and sisters, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. Our Scotland missionaries are doing that. They're following the same practice of meeting in homes for Bible study and worship. These strategies for uh, spreading the good news are 2,000 years old, yet they still are fresh and effective as ever. These techniques are working in Scotland, and, you know, 
There's no reason they can't work in Wichita, too. There are people of peace searching for the truth right here in our hometown. Why couldn't we advertise on the Internet and invite them to a coffee shop Bible study? Might work here. It works there. And here's something cool that I didn't tell you about before. Many of the people that are coming to the coffee shop Bible studies are not coming because they were invited by missionaries. They're coming because other people that come to the Bible studies think it's a cool thing, and they invite their friends. Several of the people that were at the Glasgow Bible study that we went to were there because of that very reason. They didn't see it on the Internet. They just heard about it from their friends. These people, I think, are people of peace who are sharing good news with their friends. We could find people of peace that way too. We could share with them more fully uh, the truth about God if we, uh, if we just took a, an approach like that. So whether you start a coffee shop Bible study or use some other approach to find people of peace, I encourage you to keep your, your gospel antennas up and, and be on the lookout for people like that. And please, please keep all of our missionaries in your prayers as they, as they work so hard to spread the gospel uh, as our representatives in these different mission fields. Thank you for your attention tonight. Thank you for not falling asleep. Well, most of you didn't. Let me, let me encourage you now. If you have anything that uh, we can help you with spiritually, any need that you want to let us know about, uh, come on down to the front as we stand and sing. One of the elders will be able to, to help you out.